Hello, I'm Grady, and this is my column on computing. No laughing matter. What is the difference between leaves and a car? One you brush and rake, the other you rush and break. A quality engineer walks into a bar, orders a beer, orders zero beers, orders 999,999,999 beers, orders a lizard, orders minus one beer, orders a duck. What do you get when you cross a fragrance with an actor? Answer, a smell Gibson. Humor is an exquisitely mysterious thing. The first joke in recorded history probably comes from Samaria around 1900 BC. I repeat it here, but um, my suspect my IEEE editors would remove it because it uses the word... And as much as I want to be the first author to use the word in such an august publication as this, it's probably outside its comfort zone, so I won't use. But you can go read about it here. We might like to believe in our Homo sapiens centric hubris that we're the only species that grocks humor, but we would be sadly mistaken. Coco, the famed gorilla, has a young child's language skills and has been known to crack a joke or two. Chimpanzees respond to magic and surprise, and anecdotal evidence suggests that parrots engage in intentional mirth. In each of these cases, humans, apes, our feathered friends, evidence exists of creatures possessing some degree of a theory of mind. I have a confession to make. Of the four jokes I used at the start of this article, two were written by humans and two by computers. Did these computers each embody a theory of mind? Did they possess some existential understanding of the absurdity of life itself? Of course not. But the fact that clever programming can sometimes yield clever quips suggests there's something to the idea of computational humor. Humor and laughter weren't always viewed as virtues. In the Republic, Plato, who was admittedly a time a bit of a humbug, condemned laughter. If anyone represents men of worth as overpowered by laughter, we must not accept it, much less if gods. Even Descartes was a rather dour fellow, considering laughter only as a form of derision or scorn. And yet, we all laugh. How then does laughter arise in the human spirit? Let's start with a theoretical foundation. There are four major philosophical frameworks for humor, the superiority theory, the relief theory, the incongruity theory, and the humor as play theory. The superiority theory was the first formalization of humor, suggesting that our laughter expresses superiority over other people or over a former state of ourselves. This theory has several flaws, and it was gradually replaced largely by the relief theory. Freud, also not known for his stand-up routines, he was actually more of a lay-down kind of guy, framed humor as a release of the spirit in that laughter released nervous energy. Now that we far better understand our neurological system's physiology, even this theory is thin, which leads us to the incongruity theory. In Critiques of Judgment, Kant describes it in this way, In everything that is to excite a lively convulsive laugh, there must be something absurd, in which the understanding, therefore, can find no satisfaction. Laughter is an affection arising from the sudden transformation of a strained expectation into nothing.
The humor in his play theory is perhaps the most appealing to me, for it hints at some deeper evolutionary pressures that we see manifest in humans, apes, and parents, parrots. Even Thomas Aquinas saw this in his Summa Theologica. Those words and deeds in which nothing is sought beyond the soul's pleasure are called playful or humorous, and it is necessary to make use of them at times for solace of soul. Is humor compatible? Computable? A number of systems have explored this premise. One early example was stand-up, a system to augment non-speakers' dialogue using puns which generated groaners such as, what kind of temperature is a sun? A boiling point. Stand-up was a rules-based system that generated jokes from a template and used rules to transform elements of that template in surprising ways. Perhaps a first step in crafting programs that crack jokes is crafting programs that can discern what's funny. Um, if machine learning has been used to train algorithms to detect humor, such as in Rada Maleka and Carlos Steprengrava's research that took an ontology-based view of natural language meaning, Dmitry Davidov and his colleagues used machine learning to detect sarcasm. Ooh, a sarcasm detector. That's a real useful invention. And Chloe Kidon and Yuri Brun built a double entendre identifier. This isn't all fun and games, either. The New Yorker uses machine learning and crowdsourcing algorithms to triage the flood of funny for their cartoon caption contests. Although I celebrate these computer scientists' work and their attempts at computational comedy, none of them make their living at comedy, although I will admit that more than one person who has reviewed code I've written has remarked, you've got to be kidding. While I make my living as a developer, I accept that this isn't a sign that I should abandon my day job for a late-night TV gig. So, it behooves me to turn to the insights of a professional comedian. Joe Toplin was the head writer for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and then the head writer for The Late Show with David Letterman. He literally wrote the book on comedy writing for late night TV. The book is conveniently named Comedy Writing for Late Night TV. In it, he offers philosophical framing, such as, Remember that comedy equals tragedy plus time and a sense of comedic architecture in his explanation of intentional angles in the middle of a joke. Joe asks, can a computer write a joke, and answers that question by suggesting an algorithm that might do so. I think Joe is on to something. Grounded in a theory of humor, natural language processing, NLP, machine learning, and rules, we can create software-intensive systems that can both detect and generate funny. One of Joe's punchline maker algorithms is similar to stand-up and has four parts. First, identify two handles, or unusual linguistic elements, of the topic. Two, for each handle, brainstorm a list of associations, that is, associated words or phrases. Three, link together one association from each list to reveal a truth. And finally, four, write an angle that points from the topic to the punchline. Joe offered the following possible result of such an algorithm. When a senior citizen comments, look at this, some airline employee was arrested with over $282,000 in his backpack, a robot companion might respond, he probably needed the money to buy lunch at the airport. Joe posits that high-quality computational humor is the next holy grail for AI. That's funny, considering how such a system would effectively throw Joe and his colleagues out of a job. So, let's accept that we can craft such a software-intensive system. However, just because something is possible doesn't necessarily mean it's desirable or usable, but enough about Microsoft's Clippy. Is computational comedy a worthy pursuit? Let me answer that from the lens of computing and from the lens of human experience.
computationally, this problem is technically intriguing. We have a wealth of labeled data from which we can establish a ground truth for humor. We have powerful NLP and machine learning algorithms. We even have some remarkable advances in effective computing that can offer up not only funny lines, but funny delivery in the form of well-nuanced body and facial expressions. One such example of expressive emoting in hyper-realistic humanoid avatars is that of the BabyX project at the Auckland Bioengineering Institute Laboratory for Animate Technologies. I look forward to the day when a humanoid robot sits next to Jimmy Kimmel, Stephen Colbert, or James Corden and makes him laugh. This leads me to the human angle. By studying the theories, mechanisms, and algorithms that discern and define funny, we learn something about ourselves and what it means to be human. Carl Sagan expressed the same sentiment about science. In his book, Pale Blue Dot, he said, It is sometimes said that scientists are unromantic, that their passion to figure out robs the world of beauty and mystery. But is it not stirring to understand how the world actually works? That white light is made of colors, that color is the way we perceive the wavelengths of light, that transparent air reflects light, that in so doing it discriminates among the waves, and that the sky is blue for the same reason that the sunset is red. It does no harm to the romance of the sunset to know a little bit about it. And that, as they say, is no laughing matter. Mm -hmm.